following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. This morning, my name is Josh, and uh, I'm the lead pastor at Wawasee Community Bible Church, just 15 miles down the road, down six or so. And uh, welcome to all of you. What a privilege to be here with you today, and uh, just to, to do this and have this opportunity to, to flip flop with Jordan. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online too. And uh, guys, happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! You know, yeah. You know, and even. Um, Excuse me, even for the men out here, if you're not a father, uh, you still get to influence others in, in a fatherly way, especially those who are younger than you in the faith or younger than you uh, just biologically. Uh, you have a great role to play in imaging God and building his church. Well, uh, you know, I mentioned I'm just excited to be with you today. Uh, I love Jordan, really grateful for him. And uh, grateful for our churches and some of our shared history. We, we mentioned some of that in the video. Uh, it's just kind of cool to be able to do these sorts of things together and see that Jesus' church is a lot bigger than just our little church, isn't it? And uh, we're in this together. We're all family. And so it's cool to be with some extended family today. Um, our churches, they do have a long history. We're uh, similar background. We're both surrounded by cornfields. Um, I mean, there, there are so many similarities, similar size, and uh, even Jordan and I both started as youth pastors in our churches before we became the lead pastor, which is, is pretty rare. And, and by the way, just about Jordan, um, you need to know, you guys, you have a great pastor. So if you're new here, come back next week, if this is your first Sunday, because you're going to love Jordan. Um, I get the privilege of serving on the Great Lakes District Board uh, for our district in the EFCA, and so I interact with a lot of pastors in our region, and uh, no exaggeration, you have one of the best. Yeah, you do. And so uh, Jordan's awesome. So uh, love him, give him a raise. I didn't tell him I'd say that, but I know he'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, but hey, we're, we're here to talk about more than Jordan. Um, uh, but before we do, you notice, I think I won the battle, right? Yeah. That's what happens when you let the other guy edit the video, too. But I, I got a couple, I, got, I know, right? I got a couple, I got a couple more for you. Uh, why, the, why does a flamingo only lift up one leg? Because if he lifted up both, he'd fall down. <laughs> Did you hear about the rock quarry that went out of business? Yeah, they hit rock bottom. <laughs> wah, wah. Last one, why, uh, why have you never seen an elephant hiding in a tree? They're really good at it. That's why. <laughs> you know, dad jokes, you either love them or you hate them. Either way, you kind of groan, don't you? You know, I wonder, what if I changed that out, though? Instead of saying dad jokes, you either love them or you hate them. What if I said, your dad, you either love him or you hate him? Chances are there'd be a similar split, right? I mean, in terms of our reaction. And deep down, you might, uh, a day like today on Father's Day, might remind you of good things about your dad. 
and uh, that you love about him or that maybe you miss about him. But it also uh, might remind you of things that you wish were different about him or just that things you hate about him. And so just like Mother's Day can be really hard, Father's Day, kind of a made-up holiday, can be pretty hard because it often conjures up some things about our dad that maybe in ways he was lacking that we wish were true that, that aren't. And you might be thinking, dad jokes? Man, no, my, my, my dad was the joke. Now, that's not all of you, I know, but there are some. And, and I just want to recognize that this morning. But here's the good news. Before we get moving this morning, because here's why I bring that up. Today, we're going to be in Proverbs 4, and it's good advice from a good dad. And so if you had a good earthly dad, you're going to be able to receive that advice well, right? It's easy to know you've got a heavenly dad who loves you. But, but if your dad was or is a jerk, then the reality is sometimes kind of receiving those things from your heavenly father can be, can be kind of hard. But let me give you this encouragement before we get going. If your earthly dad uh, wasn't all that you hoped he would be, don't view your heavenly dad, who is good, through the prism of your earthly dad. View your earthly dad through the prism of your good heavenly dad, who is all of those good and perfect things, who, who is ever-present, who, who loves you more than you could ever imagine, who treasures you. Amen? So let's view it that way and hear this good advice from our good dad. And uh, let me pray, and then we're going to dive into Proverbs for today. Father, thank you for Jesus. And uh, thank you for adopting us into your family that you, you are, you're a good dad. And uh, you tell us to relate to you as a father because you do love us and you do care for us. And not only that, Lord, you give us good advice, the best advice for how to live because you, you designed us and how we ought to live. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come and uh, work among us, work through me, teach me even as I teach and preach your word, uh, that we might leave changed and that we might know your love and that we might live out uh, the instruction that you give to us. But Father, most thanks for Jesus. We pray all this through him. Amen. Well, we've already heard uh, from Proverbs 4. We've heard it read. So uh, let's start to make our second trip back through it. And I already forgot to run this, so thank you for helping me. I'll probably forget. I'm just going to let you do it. How's that sound? Sound good? All right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 uh, begins like this. Hear, O sons, hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you, what, what kind of precepts? What are they? What's it say? Good. I give you good precepts, so do not forsake my teaching. Here, be attentive. Pay attention. In other words, lean in, open up your heart, and listen with, with full intent to learn. I wonder, are you hoping to hear God's word today, to hear from God? I hope so. If you are, uh, the writer of Proverbs here tells us, pay attention. And the, the precepts are good, so, so don't forsake them. Don't forsake it. He goes on in verse 3. He says this, When I was a son uh, with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me, and he said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Now, as you're reading this, you're reading, you're saying, okay, uh, it sounds like a, a, a dad speaking to his kids, doesn't it? Speaking to his son. 
And uh, really, Proverbs was written, or at least assembled, uh, by Solomon. It's attributed to Solomon. Uh, Solomon, next to Jesus, we're told, was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth, second only to Jesus. And so he has a lot of good things to teach us, but if you know anything about Solomon, you realize he was also a pretty messed up guy. (laughs) Well, he, he started well, and he got wisdom. He asked God for wisdom and got all kinds of wisdom. The way that he ends up living his life is, is anyway but wise in so many areas. But uh, he does give us wisdom. It, it's, it's, it's a good reminder that God uses imperfect people to, to communicate and uh, carry out his perfect will. Isn't that an encouragement to you? It is to me, because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty jacked up. <laughs> right? And so it's a good thing that God uses imperfect people like Solomon and like each one of us. And in Proverbs, if you're reading Proverbs, Proverbs is going to talk about wisdom. It's going to talk about knowledge. And in Proverbs, at least, it uses those two terms interchangeably. Uh, for us, we might think of wisdom as knowledge or facts that are rightly applied to our life. So it's, I, I know the right things, and then not only do I know it, but what do I do? I do it. So I actually live it out. I actually carry it out and do those things. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. But as you're reading uh, Proverbs, if you come across knowledge, just know the writer's probably speaking not just of facts in your mind, but of wisdom. And Proverbs causes us then to think. So much of the Bible is good instruction for do this, don't do this. But Proverbs as a whole gives us good instruction, but it also says, you know what, you need to think, (laughs) about your actions. Not only just know the right things, but, but think about it and, and put it into practice. And, and Proverbs, by the way, the, these phrases, the first nine chapters are a little more um, narrative in focus, like chapter four is this morning. But if you would keep reading Proverbs, you're going to find a lot of the book is just basically a proverb is a short, pithy statement that communicates some kind of truth about life. They're just short, pithy statements. And they've been around since the beginning of written literature. Thousands of years before Solomon, Proverbs have existed. Every culture has them. We've got some, right? You know, like, uh, look before you... Yeah, you just know them off the top of your head. Like, you, you, it's memorable, and you know what that means and how to apply it. Uh, the early bird gets the worm. Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh, if, you, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Now, so these are just sayings that communicate certain wisdom about life. And the wisdom of Proverbs, as you're reading through it, sometimes there's promises in Proverbs, but more often than not, what you find in Proverbs is not a promise, but how life generally works. How it generally works. So that means not everything in Proverbs is a promise. And if you take everything in Proverbs as a promise... You're going to misunderstand uh, the nature of the genre of literature that it is and the intent of the author, and uh, you're going to end up just heartbroken and and angry at your good dad who gave you a proverb of how life generally works. For example, uh, there's so many we could talk about, but uh, it's Father's Day, so train up a child in the way of the Lord, and Proverbs 22 says he will not depart from it, right? Except some of you, you've, you've done that. And your children have departed from it. Well, if you, that, that's not a promise. That's just how it generally works. Generally speaking, if you train up your kids in the way of the Lord, they're going to follow the Lord. But sometimes there's exceptions. 
Now, why do I bring that up? Well, there's a couple of those that even show up here in chapter 4 as we get going, and I want you to be prepared for that. That, that sometimes uh, there's exceptions to the Proverbs. But let's keep going. Uh, we made it down uh, uh, to verse 5. Uh, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away, the writer here says, from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom. Don't forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Get wisdom. Get insight. This is the repeated exhortation of the book of Proverbs. Get wisdom. I mean, do you want wisdom? Anybody want wisdom? Yeah, I do. I want wisdom uh, so much. Well, that's great, Josh, but how? How do I get wisdom? Well, I would commend to you, uh, the first step is get Jesus. If you want to get wisdom, you need to get Jesus. You know, uh, community gospel, kind of your, your mantra here, Christ known, right? I want people to know Jesus, to follow him, to love him, to be loved by him. I mean, if you want wisdom, you need to get Jesus. And in fact, uh, the New Testament repeatedly shows us and even tells us that one, Jesus was wise, is wise, and two, that Jesus, in fact, is wisdom. In fact, as you read the book of Proverbs, often when you read about wisdom, if you would insert Jesus' name there, you're going to find that's a description of Jesus. If I want wisdom, that I need to get Jesus. It points to him. Let's give you some examples. Let's look at, again, verse 6. Uh, or, or here's just some examples, excuse me, uh, Colossians 2. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where? In Jesus, in Christ. Uh, how about 1 Corinthians 1? To those who are called, both Jews and, G Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you want wisdom, get Jesus. And then again in verse 30, because of him you're in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. All throughout the New Testament, we see that the wisdom from the Old Testament is in fact fulfilled and personified in Jesus. Now again, look at verse 6. It says, do not forsake her. Huh? Josh, you said it was Jesus. Why is it saying her now? Don't forsake her. Get wisdom. Don't forsake her. Well, the word for wisdom in Hebrew is a, is a feminine word. And so often wisdom is personified as lady wisdom or woman wisdom. And so you see that, 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 uh, that literary device of personification show up in Proverbs of, of a lady wisdom. And so look how she's described then. Uh, and by the way, I'll spare you the details, but in Matthew chapter 11, you might jot this down, verse 19, Jesus actually associates himself with lady wisdom. He, he tells them to look at his actions, and then he says wisdom is justified by her deeds, her deeds. He says that uh, lady wisdom, that's pointing to me. It was personified in lady wisdom. It's actually personified, Jesus says, in me. So if you want wisdom, get Jesus, and, and you'll get life. Verse 7 tells us the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. If you, you want to get wisdom, get Jesus, you'll get life. And I'm saying if you want wisdom, you need Jesus Christ. Have, have you trusted him? Have you come to him? And he loves you more than you ever dreamt you could be loved. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the grave to give you life. And all you need to do is come to him. 
Just turn to him in faith, and he gives you life. He gives you wisdom. So uh, let's keep going here, though. I mentioned, if you want wisdom, get Jesus. Let's see how Jesus is described and how he lives out this wisdom that's described in Proverbs 4. Look at verse 6. It says, uh, do not forsake her. There's a command for us. Don't forsake her, uh, but, uh, and she will keep you. Love her, and then what? What's the good result? Uh, she will guard you. Now, let's insert Jesus here and see what we get. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 1, verse 8. Jesus will sustain you. He will sustain you to the end. He will keep you. Just like we read, she will keep you. How about John uh, 10? Use Jesus' own words. He says, I, Jesus, I, I give them eternal life. They will never perish, those who, who trust him, who come to him, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He's, he's going to keep you if you come to him. How about Jude chapter 1, or verse 1, excuse me, uh, Jesus' little brother Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. He'll keep you. Then verse 24, to him, to Jesus who's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep, do you see it? We could go on and on and on. Uh, Philippians 4, uh, to, uh, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus will guard you. Wisdom will guard you. Do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom to guard you and to keep you? Get Jesus. He's the one who's going to do it. He is wisdom from God for you and for me. On to verse 8. It says, prize her, prize wisdom greatly, for, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her, if you come to her. Well, it's the same with Jesus. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he would exalt you. Jesus will exalt you. By the way, this is Peter writing in the context of Jesus being the senior pastor of the church, the chief shepherd. So Jordan and I might be lead pastors of our own respective churches, but ultimately Jesus is the senior pastor of the church, capital C. He's our, he's, he's our real lead pastor. He's the one we follow, and he's the one who can uh, promote and demote and raise up and lower down, and, and he's the one, wisdom will exalt you. Jesus is the one who will exalt you and honor you if you embrace him. Verse 9, she will place on your head a graceful garland, she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Well, again, uh, Jesus, the, the, the lead pastor, the chief shepherd, he gives us some advice. He says, uh, be faithful unto death, and I, Jesus, will give you the crown of life. Back to Peter, he says that uh, Jesus is the chief shepherd. When he appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We could just keep going through verse after verse after verse in the New Testament that, that shows us Jesus is wisdom. And if you want wisdom, man, I mean, you got to get Jesus. You got to go to Him, and He'll give you life. Now, um, as we keep going, then really, what we're we're going to see here, we, you, you see the if statements there. If you do this, she will this. If you do this, that. By the way, that's not legalism. That's not saying if you do this, then Jesus will love you. If you do this, then God will He'll finally put up with you. It, it's not saying that at all. Uh, that's, that's religion. That's legalism. Legalism says that if you do all these things, then God will love you. And you're like, well, okay, Josh, but we just read. If, if, I, if I seek her out, then she'll honor me. If I run to Jesus, he'll keep me. What do you mean? How's that work? Well, here's the deal. Grace is this. 
Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He lived a perfect life in your place, died on the cross, rose from the grave. If you would come to him in faith, he'll make you new, and now you can live those things out. The statements of Proverbs are not statements of how to be saved. It's how to know that Jesus more and more. So your salvation is conditional only on Jesus, and you're putting your faith in him. But, but your experience of it and your knowledge of God for all of who he is and to have all the wisdom he offers, yeah, then there's some, some work for you to do, isn't there? And that, that's why Proverbs here is telling us, hey, let me give you some instruction on how to go about that so that, that you can have all of the treasures of knowledge that are hidden in Jesus. You need to do a little work to seek him out. And so he gives us some advice. And really, he's kind of telling us there's, there's a choice then to be made. You know, after you find Jesus, if you haven't, trust him. Go to him. You'll get life. But if you have trusted him, you know as well as anybody that, man, that doesn't, that doesn't slow down choices I've got to make that, that affect the trajectory of my life for good or for ill. And there's these two choices that come up over and over and over in our lives. And Proverbs 4 addresses them. Uh, here's the first choice. One, you can choose death. You have the power to choose death. You have the freedom to choose death. A lot of times you'll see it show up this way in the Old Testament. If you choose to sin, guess what else you're choosing? You're choosing to suffer. <laughs> you're choosing the consequences of those actions. You can choose death. Deuteronomy 30, uh, God says this. See, I, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. So you probably already know what the other choice is besides death, right? But let's just stick on this one for a moment because the writer of Proverbs addresses it, that we can choose death. Look at verse 14. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Remember, receive this from your good dad. He's, he's giving you some good advice for life. Don't, don't enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Now, the reality is, uh, sometimes there's things in life where we're not sure, is this, is this a right choice or a wrong choice? But I, I think we all know probably at least 95% of our choices, if not a lot higher, we know pretty well. Is this right? Is this wrong? And then some of those other choices, really, they don't matter as long as I'm following the Lord with my life. When you see that evil choice, when you see the wicked path, don't go on it. Don't go down that road. Uh, to enter their path, to walk in their way means to do what they're doing. Don't do it. You're like, but Josh, that looks kind of fun. I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be enticing if it didn't, would it? So why is God telling me don't? He just doesn't want me to have any fun, does he? Is that how God works? No, when, when God says don't, do you know what he's really saying? Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. When I tell my son Charlie, who's five, don't mess with the knobs on the front of the stove. And if you see a flame, don't touch it. Why do I tell him that? Because I want to kill his fun? It's fun to turn those knobs. You know, they hear the click, click, click. 
Am I, am I just trying to kill all his fun? No, I don't want him to hurt himself. I don't want him to burn our house down. <laughs> when God says don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself because he loves you, because he's a good dad who loves you deeply. So for example, uh, there's all kinds of examples in Proverbs. Uh, don't become a slave to debt. It doesn't say all debt is bad. It says don't become a slave to it. When you're angry, don't sin. Don't let anger consume you and control you. How about lust, the way of lust? Don't walk down that road. When you start down that road, what should you do? Turn around. Repent. Uh, Deception. Where is it that you know clearly God is saying, don't? Don't. Don't go down that road. Turn around. Where is it? Where's that spot for you? Heed his advice, friend. Because if, if you go down that road, you're choosing death. For they, verse 16, the wicked cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. See, and that someone might be you. That someone might end up being you. You know, you, you know, you become like the people you hang out with. <laughs> Any of you ever have your dad tell you that? Don't hang out with them. Why not, dad? Because then you're going to start acting like them. <laughs> and it's true, and we've seen that play out in our lives. We become like the people we hang out with. So do you want wisdom? Guess who you need to be hanging out with? Number one, Jesus. Number two, other people who know Jesus. And grow in wisdom. Don't go down the path of the wicked. For they eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. Friend, the way of folly will eat your lunch. And it won't be fun. And you know, left to your own, left to my own, how many of us would admit, more often than not, left totally to my own, I choose the way of death. That's the natural inclination of my heart. It's another reason I need to get Jesus. Because he changes my heart. He makes me new. See, you can choose death or, here's the good one, you can choose life. It's a choice. It's a choice. Which one will you choose? Even after you become a Christian, day by day, it's still a choice. Not, not in terms of your salvation, but in terms of, are you going to live a life honoring to your Savior? To live in the joy of who he is. See, but the path of the righteous, here's what it's like. Big but right there in scripture. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. You know, we don't even have to spend much time here because it's so evident. But, but let me leave you with a little hope here in terms of this uh, piece of life, the path of life. You know, if you start choosing life today, Tomorrow, that choice for life is going to be a little easier. And the day after that, be a little easier again. And it, it's, I don't know what time you woke up this morning. Anybody wake up like around dawn? Like dawn shining? Have you ever been up? Anybody ever been up over here? You guys ever been up that early? <laughs> right? Like you've seen the sun come up? And, and if someday you will, trust me. You, you'll see it come up. And as it, as it rises... And initially, you kind of, like, it's just kind of, like, I can kind of see, right? 
like the light of dawn. It's just kind of fuzzy. You're starting to make things out. And little by little, as dawn progresses, more and more, more and more light, as you approach full day, you start to see more clearly. And you see more and more. And the light shines brighter, right? But, but initially, it's a little hazy, isn't it? Well, the writer of Proverbs here is telling us that's, that's kind of the path of the righteous. That's really our spiritual lives are very similar to that. We all begin in darkness. We trust Jesus. Dawn comes. He saves us, rescues us from the domain of darkness. He's leading us in, into his marvelous light. And you keep growing little by little, sometimes imperceptibly, until one day you, you will see Jesus face to face, unveiled in the light of full day. And the trajectory of your life overall is hopefully from darkness to light. Now, it, there might be a lot of clouds that come through your life, or the, the path might not be a, a perfect, like, up and to the right graph. It might be... But overall, you're moving more and more towards the full light of day. That's the path of the righteous. Not to say you'll never trip, never, never stumble, stumble, like with my words, never fall, but in the end, you'll make it. It's the path you're on if you've trusted him. Lean into it. Seek him out. But again, we're reminded, one more time here, verse 19, the way of the wicked, though, is like deep darkness. They don't even know over what they stumble. You ever walk around in the dark, stub your toe, trip on something? In our house, it's Legos left in the living room. <sighs> and you're like, what was that? Ah, and you don't even know what it is. The way of the wicked's like that. Have you ever, you ever seen that with someone in their folly and you go, what are they thinking? What were they thinking? Well, the way of the wicked is in darkness. And in darkness, you don't even see what it is you're stumbling on. So run to the light. Run to Jesus. By the way, that's a good way to read Proverbs. Uh, when, as you read it, you know, read a chapter. What applies to me today? Where have I seen this play out? Here's another question. Where have I seen this play out in other people? But then be sure to bring it back home. Like, not only how did I see them stumble in the darkness, but how have I seen myself do that? And apply it to your life. So friend, you have the option to choose death. You have the option to choose life both in the big picture, whether or not you're going to come to Jesus, and moment to moment. And if you want to choose rightly, you need to pay attention to your heart. That's what the writer of Proverbs tells us here as we close. Pay attention to your heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. We've seen this already, so keep going. Verse 23, uh, keep your heart, he says, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. There it is, keep your heart. Keep your heart. How? With all vigilance? Vigilance. Why? Because life and death flow from it. They, they flow from it. Life or death flows from the inside out. So first, get a changed heart. Choose Jesus. 
And then guard your heart. Keep it. Keep choosing Jesus day to day. Get to know him more. We're all one choice from disaster and death. Constantly. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. So how do you keep it? Let me give you a few things here as we wrap this morning. How do you keep your heart? Jesus said, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation, right? That's what he said. Paul told Timothy, watch your life, watch your doctrine, Timothy. Uh, Again, how? Well, have you ever driven a car? Right? You got that thing like right in front of you with all these different little gauges and stuff telling you what's going on with the car, your dashboard. Some of the stuff you need to know, like moment to moment all the time. You need to know like how fast you're going. You need to know, do I have enough gas in the tank to get where I'm going? If you've got a newer car, you might even have a fancy map like with your phone hooked up or else your phone's just like stuck on something on the dashboard and you're watching a map to see that you're going the right direction or even see what the speed limit is, where you're at, where you're driving. There's all these things that uh, you're, you're checking quickly and repeatedly to know that you're going the right way. It's on your dashboard. There's also things there, though, too, that not only give you uh, information that's important in the moment, but other things that over time you need to pay attention to that you might not watch as constantly. But once they show up, ooh, ooh, you better do something now, right? Like the temperature of your engine or uh, the level, the oil level in your engine or that little light that looks like an engine it means your engine is in dire need of some tender loving care. Quit driving. <laughs> I wonder what would a dashboard then for your soul look like? What would a dashboard look like for your soul to know how do I guard my heart? There would be red lights, there would be some green lights, some flashing lights. Some of the red ones might be just some of the impulses that your soul has that... Uh, tends towards secrecy or an alarming departure from God and from what he would have. Here's some examples. Um, You might put fear, pride, greed, self-pity, resentment, anger, hard thoughts about God, coldness in my worship, any sense of formality of just going through the motions in my worship. Those Those are some red flashing lights on the dashboard. Are you keeping your heart? These are some examples. Or you might use some of the things right here in Proverbs 4. Uh, The writer uses the metaphor of our body as a measure. Again, back to verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. So so here's one. Are you you hearing God's word? I mean, not just hearing it like on a Sunday, like the one hour out of the 168 you get every week. But are you hearing it? Are you you reading it? Are you studying it? This This is your creator talking to you. Do you get that? That's amazing. And then, then you get to respond to him and talk to him back in prayer. What are you filling your tank with? Verse 21, let them not escape your sight. Keep them in your heart. So that there's your eyes, right? You had your ears, now your eyes. What are, you, what are you looking at? Are you looking at God's word? What are you watching on TV, on the internet? Jesus said the eye of the lamp, or the eye, the eye is the lamp of the body, excuse me. So if your eye's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye's bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. See, you've got a choice. What are you looking at? What are you watching? What are you reading? What fill your body with light or darkness? Are you choosing life or are you choosing death? 
Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, the writer of Proverbs says, for their life to those who find them. You know, maybe a part of the dashboard needs to be, what, yeah, what are you looking at? Do you need to turn off the news this week? <laughs> Do you need to uh, stay off of that website? Do you need to delete that app? What is it that you're looking at? We've got eyes, we've, ears, we've got eyes, we've got your tongue. Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and devious talk from far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight beforeward, straight before you. Uh, your tongue, what is it that's coming out of your heart, out of your mouth? Because the things coming out of your mouth are the things actually that have been brewing in your heart. Jesus says that from the heart, a man speaks. Is it vulgarity? Is it anger? Is it... Let's get more subtle. Is it just constant complaint? <laughs> like nothing's ever right. No contentment at all. Guard your heart. What are you putting in your heart? Your, your tongue is a great gauge of how well you're keeping your heart. Jesus' little brother James said, the tongue's a fire, a world of unrighteousness. It can set, set on fire the entire course of life. Every animal's been tamed, but not the tongue. <laughs> so again, you need Jesus to tame your tongue. And last, feet. Ponder the path of your feet, verse 26, then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Check your map. What way, what's the trajectory of your life? Where are you going? What, where are your decisions taking you? And are you serving others? Or who are you spending time with? What's the direction of your life and of your heart? Just some ideas to put on that dashboard. By the way, uh, as you're watching your own heart, just remember, God's word says, keep your heart, not keep everyone else's. So while you might see some things in other people, that's okay, you can go and help them, but make sure you're coming back to your heart. How about in your heart? Are you doing those things? These gauges are for you. How's the dashboard? Friend, our, our good dad tells us, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, life flows inside out. You need a changed heart, a cultivated heart. Life or death flows from the inside out, not outside in. As we close, let me just read to you from uh, some of Jesus' words in Mark chapter 7. Uh, Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. And he called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that's by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then you're, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his mouth and is, is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And then he says this, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So guard your heart. Because you can choose death or you can choose life. But above all, pay attention to your heart, friends. Let me pray.
We'll call it a morning. Father, thank you for Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that, that you do. You, uh, you offer to us life. You offer to us wisdom. You've become wisdom to us and for us. Jesus, thanks for uh, the fact that anyone who would come to you uh, would be made new by you. And thank you, too, that uh, in you are hidden so many, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that as we uh, seek after you with our lives, Lord, we can know you more and more. Father, I pray for my friends here. I thank you for this church and uh, their commitment to your word. I pray for them. I pray for me. Would you help us uh, not only to trust you, but to, to walk in the light of your truth, to heed uh, these instructions, to, to live them out. And uh, Father, I pray too for any who've never trusted you. Friend, if that's you, it's so simple. You can just simply pray in your heart, uh, Jesus, I, I messed up. I, I need a savior. Would you save me? The Bible's clear if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that, that he was raised from the dead, he died on the cross for your sin. Believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. And that would be the start of dawn for you, that you could walk in his light and in his wisdom. Father, thank you for Jesus and thank you for your word. We pray all of this in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.